Hey, what's up? It's John. I have a quick question for you. Do you like free stuff? Me too. I don't have any free stuff. Sorry. But what I can offer you is 15% off your next order of tape, topicals, mobility tools, and apparel at shop.rocktape.com. 15% off the best tape and gear around. Just use the code ROCKCAST. That's R-O-C-K-C-A-S-T. ROCKCAST at shop.rocktape.com for 15% off your next order. That's the code ROCKCAST for 15% off your next order of rock tape so you can go stronger, longer. What's up, everybody? My name is John Campioni. I am a chiropractor physician and a rock tape instructor. Today, I have with me Mike Stella. Mike is an athletic trainer, a corrective exercise specialist, a performance enhancement specialist. He is dedicated to helping all athletes and people overcome injuries and functional limitations. He has rehabilitated and reconditioned athletes from a variety of levels and sports, not only helping them return to competition, but also increasing their resiliency to future injury. Mike utilizes a potent combination of manual therapy techniques, corrective exercise that work to identify and eliminate the underlying cause of injury while educating athletes on the best practices in training and recovery. Mike, what's up? What's going on, Dr. John? How are you? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm fantastic. Thank you so much for having me on. It's a, it's a pleasure. Thank you for taking the time. I know we're kind of squeezing in before uh, you start your day on this particular uh, Thursday as we record it, so I do appreciate you taking the time. Oh, you're most welcome, man. So one of the questions I always have for our instructors as we come on here is uh, really kind of twofold. How did you really get started with uh, rock tape? How did you uh, become an instructor? When did you actually start with us as an instructor? Yeah, I mean, so I'm, I'm pretty honored because I feel like I'm one of the newer instructors to be on the podcast. I just started with rock tape, uh, I guess at the end of last year is when I got hired on and um we did the boot camp at uh project move out in denver with uh with capo so um so i started with rock tape again i the the funny part about this is i still really don't know (laughs) i I think it was just a a matter of like good timing so somehow i ended up on the like pre-release webinar for the mohawk if you remember when that came out i guess it was like a small email list that they sent mohawks out to a bunch of people and yeah. wanted our feedback. And I don't know how I, I don't, to this day, I don't know how I got on that list. Um, but I've been a rock tape fan for years. Um, my first job, uh, at a college was at the university of Florida. So I worked for the Florida Gators, uh, in their sports medicine department. And, uh, my, so I was, my main sport was track and field and our, the main track had athletic trainer. He, he was really into kinesio taping and kind of turned me on to like, you know, the classic kinesio taping model. And this is what we do. And I didn't really kind of understand how it worked. And, but you know, when you have Olympic level athletes, I think at that year I had 14 Olympians from nine different countries on that team. Wow. You know, when you have that, that level of athlete come back to you and say, man, I feel so much better. Like I just feel more connected with my body. Like I love this tape. Like you start to listen, even though I didn't really have, you know, the whole background knowledge on, on what I was really doing with it. So I've been using kinesio tape for years. That was back in like 2008. Um, 
So fast forward a bunch of years and I was uh, at a, at a physical therapy clinic in Manhattan and uh, a couple of my friends, you know, we were doing some kinesio taping, but having kind of the same issue where, you know, it wasn't staying on and people were kind of complaining that, Oh, you taped me. And then I went out for my run and it peeled right off. And mm-hmm. so one of my colleagues was like, Hey, have you tried this rock tape? And I, and I hadn't even heard of it yet. I think this was like 2013. Um, and so okay. he, so I picked up a couple rolls of rock tape and I immediately loved the product because it actually stuck. Yeah. And so I started using the tape and, um, I saw that there was a, a, a rock tape, uh, certification class coming to Manhattan. So me and a bunch of the guys from the clinic got together and it was happened to be Dr. Perry teaching ah. the class. <laughs> so, um, I signed up for day one and, uh, we were going through our labs and, and I'm, you know, I'm, I had been using kinesio tape for years at that point. So I was pretty adept. And, and again, I'm an athletic trainer. So if I was an artist, tape would be my medium. And, uh, so I'm just applying the tape and he comes over to me and he goes, Hey brother, you've done this before, haven't you? And I was like, uh, I was like, yeah, for sure. He's like, well, you're coming tomorrow for performance. And I said, no, I actually didn't sign up. He's like, Oh, come on. That's when the real stuff goes down. And so I, I signed up for day two right then and there. And I might've bought like 500 rolls of tape too, uh, after that. So, but I've been using it ever since. So, um, you know, when I got the opportunity for the webinar on the Mohawk, I just happened to email, I think it was Kaylee at the time, like yeah. asking about if there was ever a need for instructors that I'd be interested. And, uh, she said, no, not really at this time. And then maybe a month later, Allison reached out to me and said, are you still interested? And I did an interview with Ethan on the phone. And, uh, Oh, what was that like? Uh, it was awesome. I mean, you know, so, you know, for me as an athletic trainer, you know, I get to talk to Ethan and, you know, he's a PhD ATC. So kind of seeing, you know, some other ATs in, in non-traditional roles. And that was pretty exciting for me. So, um, it, it was awesome. I was, I was totally into it. It was perfect timing. Uh, and so I found myself on a plane going to Colorado to learn and I started my first teaching tour in July. That's awesome, man. Yeah. I, I, I love that you pointed that out too with ATCs. I love talking to ATCs in tape classes and just about tape in general, because it, as we know, ATCs, I love watching athletic trainers tape ankles and wrists mm-hmm. and stuff like it's an art. It's beautiful to me. I don't know what it is. I just love it. Sure. But, that's that rigid tape to lock in a joint too. I'm always curious from a, an ATC, ATC's perspective, what is it like kind of transitioning to the elastic kinesiology tape? Because I have to believe that that wasn't really looked at very positively in the community when it originally started to take hold. You know, you know, it's, it's so interesting that you say that because I, I think when I got exposed to it was just in the right, I think it all has to do with your environment, you know, and sure. when I was at the university of Florida and that's where I really got exposed to a lot of like manual therapies and things in general, you know, our operating budget for athletics was like $90 million, you know, so you're talking about sports medicine in a bubble, mm-hmm. like where you don't have to worry about making money or it's, it's get results by any means necessary. Like that is kind of the mantra. So um, I've always been fairly open-minded when it came to new modalities and learning new things. Like, you know, I love learning and, um, but I also am the type of guy that needs to understand why. Uh, and so that was yeah. the biggest hurdle for me in the beginning with adopting kinesio tape was I didn't really understand the why, um, even though I had the CKTP or whatever the, the certification, I had the whole textbook and I'm just reading through this and I just couldn't understand it. Sure. But again, it was more so that, my supervisor was like, Hey, we're going to use this tape. This is how you basically do it. And I was doing, you know, at that point, my role was to assist in all facets of, of delivering sports medicine to the teams. And so that's what he wanted to do. So I did it. And, but again, I, I saw the results, you know, so that was enough evidence for me. It was my athletes coming back and saying, I just feel better. And so, um, and then I just kind of dug deeper in, in it from there, but 
you know, we, that was an environment where, you know, multidisciplinary approach. I mean, we had chiropractors, PTs, ATs, massage therapy, um, everybody under one roof kind of working towards a common goal. Like, and, um, and that feeling is kind of the same feeling I get with like the rock tape instructors. You know, we were together in Miami this past weekend and, uh, mm. that, that multidisciplinary, you know, everybody's on even playing field. We're all working together to try to be better. I, I just think that that is the best way to get results. And so, you know, uh, kinesio tape was part of that early on in my career. And I'm thankful for that now for sure. That's so great that you said that too. It's, it's better than any kind of research project is you use something on a patient and they get better. Okay. Maybe I don't know everything about it, but now I sure. at least know that something's working. So let's go figure that out a little bit more. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, and again, at, at the mindset in that kind of, uh, in that setting is any results by any means necessary, you know? Yep. So it's not always where you have to worry about like the efficacy of something so that you can get reimbursed through like insurance. It's okay. if, the, if this is going to give somebody a 1% edge, yeah. then we're going to do it because it's giving them a 1% edge. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, so I think that that kind of mentality definitely is, has carried me through my career, you know, to this day. So where are you originally from, Mike? Uh, I'm originally from the Long Island area. So I grew up, okay. you know, right on Long Island. I bounced around a lot after high school, but uh, yeah. after college rather, and then ended up right back where I started. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I knew you were from the New York area. What mm-hmm. brought you down to uh, Florida? Oh, geez. Um, so uh, quick background on me. I was a, I was a lacrosse player uh, mm-hmm. and I was a fairly highly recruited lacrosse player. And that's, that's what we do on Long Island is play lacrosse. And uh <laughs> So I had a couple of scholarship opportunities to play at some at some pretty big D ones, and and then I ended up uh, blowing out my knee. So I tore my ACL, oh. PCL, MCL, meniscus. Oh my god! Uh, I had chondral defects on both my tibia and femur. So I, uh, you know, basically, you know, had my knee reconstructed. And Marist College was the last school that was going to offer me any money to play, and so I went up there and switched my major to athletic training because they had a you know an athletic training program, and went through my four years and got certified and. I really wanted that big school experience. And so I decided I was going to try to go after a, a grad assistantship or, or a position at a big time school and, and, and take that opportunity if it came up, uh, came about. And so fortunately for me, it was funny because my program director at the time told me not to waste my time and apply. And then one of my uh, mentors was just like, listen, if, if you got offered from Florida, would you, would you actually go? And I said, yeah. He said, then you absolutely have to apply. So oh, I yeah. did. I did apply. I got an interview um, and it just turned out that the uh, head athletic trainer just liked small school ATs because we, in his opinion, can do more with less. And uh, so like did the interview and packed up all my worldly possessions into my tiny little car and drove down there with no place <laughs> to live and figured it out when I got there. So oh, it was man, pretty you, cool. You drove down there? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I didn't have nice. really any way to get down. So I literally packed up all my worldly possessions in order of importance and whatever didn't fit in my car didn't go. And I just drove down there and <laughs> crashed on some couches and uh <laughs> eventually got an apartment and and you know i was down in gainesville for almost two years oh wow man yeah now, it was really you, cool were you working on your master's while you were down there so uh it, actually no it was funny because i was originally offered a grad assistantship so you know to go to school and um what had happened was the they, the position that they offered me actually was uh, dissolved into a full-time staff position for another person that they really liked. So they'd made up a new position for me. So I was actually technically the first interim athletic trainer assistant with track and field. They were trying to expand the staff for track, uh, but they wanted like a full-time master's degree, the whole shebang. 
but I actually took that position and got it off the ground. Um, and, and so it was a really cool opportunity to go down there and just immerse myself in it. So I was working like, you know, 60 to 80 hour weeks on average, but my job was to be with the athletes from basically dawn till dusk and, and do whatever I needed to do to get them and keep them healthy. Uh, so that was like a really cool, I think for any clinician to just kind of dive right in and just be in it, uh, in that kind of a bubble and that kind of a setting, it was probably the experience that kind of kickstarted my, my clinical philosophy and training philosophies. And, uh, and just really grateful for that opportunity. So you have a really unique, uh, kind of model with how you practice and where your facility, what your facility is like. So give us an idea of what your, uh, your treatment models and your treatment, treatment philosophies are. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, so my business called recovery lab, um, it's basically an athletic training room that's like stripped down and streamlined, you know? So like, I always use the analogy. It's like, if you want to make your car faster, yeah, you could replace the whole engine, but, or you could just strip the weight and get rid of the excess. Right. So I, I basically stripped down an athletic training room of everything that was like clinical grade. So I don't have any clinical grade modalities here. I do have some over the counter E-STEM units and, you know, recovery tech like Norma tech and that kind of thing. But it's basically, you know, we evaluate every athlete from head to toe, whether they're injured or not. Uh, and, you know, we put them through the full movement assessments and postural screens and histories and, you know, do their goals assessments and capacity screens and all these different things that we all test before they get started so that we're able to individualize their programming. But where Recovery Lab comes in is, is more like identifying the red flags in somebody's movement behavior and then addressing those proactively. So what I'm attempting to do with recovery lab is make injury prevention, you know, a bigger model than injury rehab. Uh, and so, you know, we're kind of positioned in that reconditioning space. So I don't see a ton of post-ops here. I don't see a ton of like, you know, um, super acute, uh, injuries anymore. Sometimes if, if our guys get hurt, I'll definitely be the first one to evaluate it and refer if necessary. But, yeah. you know, again, just taking care of the the stuff that we can prevent, you know, from a movement perspective and, and just creating that great network of other providers in the area that we can almost like a college setting where we can streamline an athlete's care by getting them to the right people at the right time. Um, so again, it's, it's mostly evaluation, manual therapy, corrective exercise, super simple. We, we, we take the fluff out, but you know, again, we're, we get great results just because I think of the, the manner. That's a great model. I'm curious what kind of brought you to that? You know, that's uh, for lack of a better term, that's a, a pretty non-traditional, I mean, you explained it there, non-traditional athletic training setting. So what made you want to break out of that non-traditional, uh, out of that rather traditional setting and do it the way you're doing it now? Oh, that's a, that's an awesome question, actually. So, I mean, so when I was at Florida, I really got my hands wet with manual therapy and, you know, and I, that was the first time in my career I saw how powerful putting your hands on an athlete can be or, 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 or that kind of treatment. Like you can instantly change the way that they feel and the way that they move. And so from that moment in, I was, I, I was all in, you know, and so, you know, given my personal history with my own injury experience, you know, I was never the same guy after that knee injury. Like, yeah, I played D1 lacrosse for a couple of years, but I just wasn't the same athlete. And so I kind of became borderline obsessed with why I was, if I was quote unquote rehabilitated, then why was I not able to achieve my prior level of performance? So, okay. um, so taking that hands-on approach and, and, uh, and seeing the way that that helped the athletes at Florida and, and, and in so doing, it actually helped me a lot because I was getting treated by my boss at the time. And so I kind of took that mindset of, you know, getting athletes on the table, doing the manual work, designing individualized programming. And so that as I worked my way through the different schools, so 
after Florida, I was at George Washington University, another D1 in D.C., and that's where I did my graduate work as well. Um, but, you know, it's a smaller staff. You know, we went from 35 athletic trainers on staff down to 10 at mm-hmm. GW. And so, you know, again, I was still able to do my manual therapy techniques and work with the athletes really one-on-one and spend the time with them because I only had two teams to take care of. And I moved back up to New York after that experience, and I was at LIU Brooklyn, which was a really small mid-major D1 where it was three athletic trainers for 250 athletes. And uh, and I still had that mindset of injury prevention, evaluate first and then design programming and, you know, work with the strength and conditioning department instead of just waiting till guys get hurt and send them to the doctor, yeah. which is kind of that classic athletic training role is, you know, triaging, you know, obviously you're doing your treatments and your rehabs, but a lot of it is just kind of, you know, sending people to the, the other providers. And so I just felt like I could do a better job if I was just being more proactive. And um, what ended up happening was I just burnt myself out. You know, I just, there wasn't enough hours in the day to do it the way I wanted to do it or what I believed in philosophically. And so I just got totally burnt out. Uh, the money wasn't there. So I was struggling in my personal life. Uh, and that's when I made the jump to the PT clinic and, you know, instantly my schedule got better and I wasn't traveling anymore. And I had more quote unquote work life balance. Uh, and my, you know, and my financial situation was improving and, and that was great. But then I was in a setting where I was seeing four to six people per hour. Uh, and so I went from getting results, you know, with a ton of athletes, but burning myself out to not getting results with people because I just didn't have the time to spend with them. And, uh, and that burnt me out in a totally different way. And so basically recovery lab is the combination of both of those experiences kind of rolled into one where, you know, I take the time with each individual client, I design them sustainable programming, uh, but I, we delivered in, a, in an integrated fashion so that I don't have to do absolutely every bit of it. So, uh, I think it's a pretty cool model, and I'm really excited to see where it goes. That's a pretty uh, great model, too. Which is, it sounds like you really get a lot more, like you said, hands-on work. You get a lot more um, one-on-one time with those patients, and you're really focusing on making sure they don't get injured and helping their overall you know, movement uh, model and improving that system just to make them the best athlete they can be. Yeah, that's exactly it, John. And and the biggest thing for people is education, you know, and so we, we get a new athlete, maybe a middle school or high school kid, and they want to come train, they want to lift weights and get big. And, you know, their conception of strength and conditioning is just move heavy weight and get strong and get big. And so when we sit down and do this whole evaluation, we can sit down with parents and say, hey, listen, these are the red flags. These are the things that we found. And this is why it needs to be addressed. And, and so when you wrap you know, that around at like solid education and really share with people the small things that you can do that can really change an athlete for the better, you know, you get a lot more buy-in. And so I'm a big buy-in guy and, you know, I'm a big process guy. And and so that's kind of what we preach here is do the basic things really well, but don't wait till stuff starts to hurt before you, you know, seek that care. Like, so again, so evaluating our athletes quarterly even. So even once they're in the door, they consistently get evaluated to make sure that we're being effective and that we're getting the results that you know parents and athletes are paying for you mentioned uh diving into the manual therapy aspect as a whole how do you feel the athletic training community really approaches manual therapy you know it's funny because when i was in school you know i think we did like uh you know a few chapters of manual therapy in our modalities course and it was very limited and so like even when i got hired to florida they were like what's your manual therapy experience and i said basically effleurage and they were like okay that's cool uh okay. we call that a flush and you're going to do that 50 times a day for the track and field athletes <laughs> and so, 
So it was, you know, I didn't really have much, but that's where I really got exposed to it, you know, and I went on to do like ART courses and Graston and all these other manual therapy courses. I think as a whole, uh, athletic trainers don't necessarily have a ton. I think it's changing now, but I think that's one thing that's not necessarily emphasized in the curriculum as much, you know, but then again, I've worked with, um, why do I, th- you know, I don't really know. I think maybe perhaps, you know, that it's an undergraduate program or, you know, I okay. think athletic trainers end up, we get trained in so many different things, you know, and so that, that ends up becoming where you're not a specialist in one thing. And now you're even seeing like with PT, you have your SCS, your OCS, like subspecialties. And, you know, I think like uh, athletic trainers for the most part are like good at it all, but not a master of any one thing. And so for me, I just like really dove into the manual therapy stuff because I saw, how effective it was. Um, and at the time, again, I, my job was clinical, you know, I was, yeah. I was in the trenches with the athletes, um, every single day. And so I think, I think on the other side of that athletic trainers really get a great experience because, you know, name another healthcare professional that, that mate is the first person to see the injury happen on the field and takes that athlete all the way back to return to competition, like despite surgery or rehab or strength and conditioning. And so we have our hands in kind of all of it. And I think, that experience really kind of, you know, set me up for obviously a, to be empathetic with the people that I work with, but to kind of think beyond just return to activities of daily living, you know what I mean? So, you know, it's, uh, getting them back to where they want to be in terms of whatever activities or sports or lifestyle that they want to live. That's a great point. So when it comes to manual therapy, then let's get into the, the nitty gritty of it. What are some of your favorite tools? Um, so it's, it's funny. I'm a, I'm a big instrument assisted guy. I have been for a long time. Uh, again, at Florida, I was exposed to Gua Sha originally and, you know, at at the, well, it was Gua Sha because, you know, Graston had kind of the stranglehold on the injury on the industry and, you know, making the money I was making, I just couldn't afford a (laughs) $10,000 certification and, and set of tools. And, uh, so it took me a few years, but you couldn't get stainless steel tools otherwise. Um, so I, I I started with just basic gua sha and, um, or plastic, like Aston tools, which, which is what my supervisor had. And the team chiropractor that I worked with, incidentally, I actually ran his clinic. Um, so he would come into the training room twice a week to work with some of our athletes. And I ended up working with him part-time at his, uh, practice to do soft tissue work. And he's the one that really taught me a lot of like traditional grass and technique, um, which I thought was an absolute, game changer because my prior experience with manual therapy was I was doing so much with my hands that I could barely hold a fork. Uh, (laughs) You know, well, my first, yeah, my first month at Florida, I was literally working on 40 to 50 athletes a day. Like that was, yeah, it was just an intense amount of volume straight out of the gate. So uh, when I started learning the tools, like I was all in on that, Um, but Mm -hmm. very different model than what I do now with the tools for sure. Um, in what, uh, in one aspect? Well, I mean, when I first got grasped and trained, you know, that's when, you know, they were still teaching, you know, uh, therapeutic bruising that were breaking up scar tissue. And so yeah. you end up having a little bit more, I guess, therapeutic aggression in that sense. Um, <laughs> I love that yeah, term. <laughs> you know, and again, in an athletic population, you're not working with neurocompromise or cardiac compromise, you're working with healthy individuals for the most part. So the mentality ends up being more is better, more is better, more is better. And so, uh, if you can like get through a, you know, a, a sweat dumping session, then you probably are better <laughs> off for it. And, um, yeah. you know, and obviously as I've learned more and more and more about it over the years, uh, I, you know, I've gotten even better results with, without doing that. So, 
you know, for sure. But, uh, yeah, I'm definitely a big instrument guy, ART. I still do a lot of that. I still, I still love getting my hands on people because I feel like you make that connection with them and mm-hmm. it gives you an opportunity to, you know, again, connect with the person and not just the pathology. If we ever started an all rock tape instructors band, I think we should use the name therapeutic aggression. <laughs> Agreed. Perfect. I'll be the drummer. <laughs> I'll be the manager. Cause I don't sing or play any instruments. That's awesome. <laughs> so I love hearing about the different tools that you're using and you post some really cool stuff with the pods and, um, and floss. And for that matter, our, uh, our rock bands RX, which I don't think a lot of people have seen a lot of, cause they're fairly new. So with some of these newer tools, how are you liking kind of, uh, adjusting to them and transitioning to them for what you're using them for and what are you using them for? Too? Oh, that's awesome. I mean, um, yeah, it's cool. I, I really do love the pods a lot. I mean, I I've had a traditional like acrylic vacuum cupping set for, I, I think it's funny. I got it like right before the 16 Olympics where Michael Phelps like blew cupping out of the water. So I had it already and I was dabbling in it because, you know, I'm kind of into that, like, you know, East meets West or, you know, old school meets new school and, and, you know, anything that's going to give somebody a little bit of an advantage I'm into. Mm -hmm. Um, but I wasn't using it all that much. And then, you know, obviously after the Olympics, people were asking for it. And again, when I look at treatment, I like to evaluate downside, you know, what's the, what's the downside of doing something like what's the, what is going to be the return on that time investment? And if it's a pos- if it's a net positive relationship with a treatment modality, I'm into it. Um, so I guess I started using the cupping and, and, and the one drawback I didn't like was that my acrylic cups tend to be a little uncomfortable after a while. And so when I got these rock pods and this thick, the thick rim on them, you know, I was able to yeah. do a lot more with them because they were just a lot more comfortable, which, you know, again, mostly like incorporating them with movement. Um, and I, I found that that has kind of been the most effective thing for me when it comes to at least the pods, mm-hmm. uh, the floss bands kind of got real hot in like CrossFit and strength and conditioning like a year, a few years ago. And so oh, I yeah. had a few floss bands that we were already using. So when rock tape released theirs, I was like, Oh, that's even better. Um, you know, but we were already using flossing. I use a lot of flossing as part of like home care programming. Um, so, you know, I'll teach that technique to the athletes cause it's something that they can do themselves. And so, you know, I believe in the whole you know, teach a man to fish versus give a man a fish, you know? And so totally anything fish. that I can teach somebody, like, especially like floss bands, I might not spend a ton of time doing that in somebody's session because it's something I can teach them and they can do on their own. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Right. And so those are like the big two reasons I've been doing that. And, uh, with the rock band flex, that whole, uh, I guess the poster referring to is when I put the band on the, on the pods that actually was inspired by a conversation that I had had with Ethan, a few weeks before I taught my first, uh, pods and, and, and floss courses. And the, you know, things I, I can't take credit for that. Cause I, I think somebody else had put a TheraBand on there first. And to be honest, I kind of thought that that's what we were supposed to be doing. So I just did <laughs> and no, I did it did, as a neuro cueing. No yeah. Did no one smart you up about the whole thing with, with rock tape instructors? You give someone credit three times and then it's yours. And then it's yours. Yeah. So, yeah. uh, so. I, I would have to give capo credit. I honestly, by reading this, you know, reading the prep guides for cupping and using it as a neurosensory cue. I just thought the two were designed to go hand in hand. And so I just kind of went for it and and it actually works really well. We make jokes, but I, I'm I'm the same way. I I actually didn't even think about it. I've been using the the cups. I've been using the floss. And then I saw somebody post, I think it was Capo and he put the band on there. I'm like, 
why it's one of those things where you're it just blows your mind and, and then in the back of your head you go why didn't i think of that it's right so brilliant yeah because it's just that stretch on it you apply the for those of you who might not know uh those of you listening our rock band flex i call it the rx that's something different the rock band flex is a uh kind of a a, a daisy chain looped um nylon i guess band it's not yeah. a, it's like a nylon spandex band yeah yeah it's not a traditional looped elastic band so this thing actually has uh, several loops in it and you can just attach those around the handle of the pods and then like i saw one of your recent posts you were having someone do cat camel type of exercise a quadruped exercise yeah it was a bird um, dog yeah 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 oh bird dog and uh just trying to maintain tension on the band that's just neurofeedback absolutely and, and for that athlete in particular you know 12 uh he had an oblique strain in a lacrosse game and so uh, he just really has poor lumbopelvic control. And so anytime he does anything sagittal plane, he just spills his pelvis all over the place. And so, mm. you know, we're trying to give him auditory cues and visual cues and show him. And then I'm physically holding his hips in the right position. I'm like, you know what? He's not going to get this until he, until he feels it inside yeah. of his own body. And so, you know, we, I was like, boom, boom, we threw the cups on there and I just looped the band in that, you know, I put the band in that, you know, transverse vector so that he would then be able to go into that bird dog pattern and feel the appropriate levels of tension through his back and low back. And it actually worked like a charm. Once, once we got him cued into it, he started doing a much, much better job. Obviously there's a lot of work to be done still, but uh, just getting him to feel it was the key. And I think anything you can do to give somebody some feedback proprioceptively. And again, which is a huge reason I'm a huge fan of tape, yeah. you know, I'll, you know, again, it's like tape, if I'm going to see an athlete like outside of my clinic, you better believe there's rolls of tape coming with me um, just because <laughs> it's such a powerful cueing tool. So let's just, I'm just so curious about this. We can kind of use it as a tip and trick. Like uh, give us a, you, you explain the exercise and give us a little bit uh, more of how you set up, because I think this is such a really cool, unique uh, perspective. And I think mm-hmm. it'll bring a lot of people into that, into our pods courses too. So what you were using the band as is as, as neurofeedback, biofeedback. Mm-hmm. So the band would stretch and give him a cueing. So what were you, you were trying to prevent him from dumping his pelvis? How? So when he goes into his bird dog pattern, as soon as he lifts off, like let's just say it's his right leg, you yeah. know, he just kind of spills into that transverse plane and goes into a ton of lumbar extension. Okay. So what I was trying to do with him, so I put the pods in, in a square pattern. So two like on like basically is like superior medial scapular border on both sure. sides and then two yeah. Like right, right above is PS, uh, PSIS on both sides. And so I looped the bands where I had it crisscrossing across his back so that when he went into a reciprocal pattern with his arms and legs, the cue that I then gave him was, so me, what I want you to do is do you feel that tension on the band when you're in quadruped? And he said, yeah. Does it feel even to you? Yes. Okay. I want you to feel that while you move through that you know right arm, left leg pattern. Nice. And so instead of telling him, you know, uh, oh, don't dump your hip or like giving him more external cues or even just physically holding him into the plate, into yeah. place, mm-hmm. which I think a lot of people think that's what kinesthetic cueing is, is like physically putting them into the position, which is definitely the case. But you still kind of sometimes can lack that where people fit, feel it within their own body. And so yeah. that was my goal with that. I haven't done it a ton with other things yet. I, I think it works really well for that specifically, like lumbopelvic control or just postural awareness and that kind of thing. I see it working really well for that. I'm still messing, you know, I've been using the rock band flex, like, you know, the classic kind of Brugers and, and different, you know, movement patterning like that. But, um, yeah, that was my goal was just to give him something that he could, 
tangibly feel and respond to in real time. It's so cool because this is just a perfect example I wanted you to go into just because I think a lot of people, um, and you can tell me when you teach, a lot of people come in thinking there's a set protocol type of things and people don't realize like the instructors and then even our, our rock tape medical professionals uh, group on Facebook, like there's just post after post of, Hey, look at this stuff that I tried, or could you use it for this? Or could you use it for that? Like, Oh, for sure. That's the whole point. We're setting a basis and then you can do these really cool things by just throwing all these tools together. Have you seen yourself kind of combining a lot of these tools together? Like you're taking your blades and your pods and throwing it into a kind of a mashup. All the time. I do that stuff all the time. And, and and so my perspective is whatever gets you the result. You know what I mean? I'm in, I'm not in like the rehab business. Yeah. I'm in the results business. And so sometimes novelty is what gets people the result, you know? And you know, like that, that question really reminds me about like recovery lab just in general. Like if you come into my treatment space, it is totally different than anything else people have seen. Like my blue, my walls are electric blue. You know, I've got, to- <laughs> I've got metal, black metal toolboxes are my cabinets and, you know, you were in the, you were in the black gloves, like a, like a, yeah, like a mechanic. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so uh, I got a funny story about that too. But, um, so like my whole goal is to, when people come into recovery lab, like a lot of times the first thing they want to do is sit on the table. I'm like, no, 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 you're going to sit on the couch. And, okay. and the reason I'm going to do that is I want to change their whole experience from the jump okay. of like, and try to eliminate some of those biases they've had in the past in terms of previous experience with like doctors and treatment and rehab and, you know, so that way I get to start fresh with a whole new open mind and new perspective. And, and that is a treatment, um, like that is part of the treatment is that experience. And so when you have, when you're struggling with the case and you're not getting the results that you want, so again, evaluate downside. What's the downside of throwing a cup on that shoulder while you do some instrument assisted, like upregulation and movement with it, there is no downside, but if you're changing that experience for the person then it's opening up a window for you that perhaps that you can get the result you're looking for, whether it's a cognitive or, you know, social or emotional bias that they might have in terms of the treatment. So I think keeping things fresh for people is important. Um, you know, we, you have to have your principles and your values and like your, your base in, in place, like your base protocols. But, you know, I think, I think a lot of people get really hung up on having a set way to do everything because we're human beings and that, makes it easy for us. And it also makes it easier for you to have a business to do it that way. Oh yeah. And, and I like, I like the, the, the fact that, you know, again, one of the reasons I, I vibed with rock tape so well and why I, I love teaching for rock tape is, is that we teach concepts. And if you understand the concept, then you can use those any number of different techniques to get the results that you're looking for. And so I think people want an if then statement and if then yeah. statements are nice in theory, but when it comes to a human being, there is no if then statement, you know, there's just so many variables that you can't eliminate. So I really try to tap into that psychosocial by changing the experience that people are typically accustomed to so that I get a fresh start with them and a fresh mindset. I think we tend to have, uh, but what if then statements like, but what if you do this, then you could do this kind of thing. Right. So it, it's not that black and white. It can, it's not linear. Yeah, for sure. It it's definitely be. not linear. Yeah. Yeah. So you started uh, around this year, if I if I remember correctly, for to just about thirty five minutes ago. Um, yeah. So are are you? If I I thought I had this right, are you teaching more for the Vine courses right now? Um, I I so the the instructor group that I was onboarded with, there was eight of us, and uh, we were specifically brought on to handle the increased demand of the Vine 
courses, but I, I've been really lucky, man. I, I definitely had a little bit of a mix of both where, you know, Jody, love you, Jody has reached out to me a number of times and offered me some rock tape direct courses, which I also mm. love. Yeah. Um, again, it's the same thing. It's just kind of how you deliver it, I guess is a little, it's more logistics that changes than anything else. Um, sure. yeah. <laughs> but you know, the vine co- tours have been really cool. It's definitely, I have a new, let, let me just put it this way. I have a newfound respect for teaching and what you guys have been doing for years because <laughs> You know, like I, I'll do eight, eight, nine, ten hours of manual therapy in a day, and I'll finish the day like a hummingbird. I go on like one teaching tour, and I feel like I'm, like, like undead, like coming out of the a zombie apocalypse. <laughs> sometimes, you know. I'm so glad but, you said uh, that because sometimes I, I kind of like get down on myself. It's like, why am I so exhausted? It's like, oh, because I've been talking all day and using my brain at its full capacity. Yeah, that's pretty exhausting. No, absolutely. I, I, I mean. Again, it's even like when you're treating, it's a performance, right? You know, you, you're, sure. you have to have your energy up. And, and I believe that people will feed off the energy that, you're, that you have, you know. And so if you're positive and you're bringing energy to the equation, then that energy will transfer and people will just feel better because it's just a better environment. And, uh, and so that's what I try to do in my courses too. But doing that for eight straight hours is pretty tough. It's tough, um, yeah. But uh, again, like even the first tour I did, you know, I get back to the hotel and I was just absolutely zonked and I had all these like grand aspirations to get like content done and like other things. And, and then yeah. I just, I didn't realize how dehydrated I got from just talking. <laughs> like you I was like th- just slamming water and yeah. could not hydrate. It was crazy. You never think about that. It's like, even if you are drinking water, but a lot of times it's like, Oh, I, I didn't even have a chance to sip water because I was in this group working on this or we got into a really cool topic. So I'm talking about, right. Right. Or even just the same amount of water that you would normally drink. Like I'll drink a few bottles of water throughout the day. Um, but I was doing that while I was teaching, but you need, you need more because just that. Yeah. And I actually learned, uh, after the fact, my uncle is a, uh, he's a musician, he's a professor of music. And he was telling me that in like in an eight hour day, if you're teaching or singing or performing, you could lose three to four liters of water just in the water vapor from your breath. Oh, wow. So I didn't even, re- I didn't even, and so he quantified that for me and I was like, dang, man. So I'm really behind the eight ball when it comes to hydration. So definitely been working on improving that. Is that, a, that's a good way to stay slim though, right? Oh, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about uh, your online presence. You've got some, uh, a great uh, Instagram following. Um, you're on social media quite a bit, posting some really, really cool stuff. So Tell us a little bit about how you started to evolve with your social media presence and how the recovery lab really helped with that. Oh man. I mean, um, it's so funny because, you know, when I was, um, I was so apprehensive to put that, you know, to start putting content up in the beginning. I think I had this fear that I would get judged for quote unquote, just being an athletic trainer. Um, and so, you know, I knew it was important for my business. I'm big Gary V fan. Like I I subscribe to a lot, you know, again, you know, over the last few years, I've done a lot of you know, business, uh, continuing education and professional development to, you know, again, to grow a recovery lab. And I knew it was important to, to kind of have a presence, but I was worried if I was going to get a lot of kickback, decided just to go all in on it and and just start producing content, just sticking to what I believe in and what we're actually doing here in recovery lab. And, and the, what actually happened has been tremendously, uh, rewarding. And uh, at least, you know, I know there's a, there's this kind of like, yin and yang approach to social media and how you know obviously there's good and bad with everything but my experience with it has been overwhelmingly positive and the community that i've been able to be involved with and, and honestly i wouldn't be talking to you right now probably if it wasn't for <laughs> my social media because it is like a resume now you know so i think you know i get on yeah. you know email 
Allison and now she has something to kind of check in on and see like, okay, what's this guy really about? And so, Oh yeah. Same thing with, you know, I, I work with a, a lot of professional athletes and it's the same thing. Like now people kind of vet you on social media. So, um, you know, so having that's been great. You know, I'm also pretty active on YouTube and I think the YouTube channel is what really took off first. And then the Instagram kind of came later, but, um, yeah, it's been great, you know? So, uh, I don't, I haven't been posting as much recently just cause I'm still adjusting to the teaching and running the business at the same time. And, you know, so I'm definitely going to get back to, you know, daily content again, but I'm just having fun with it. You know, I'm just constantly of that mindset of like, Hey, can I, can I bring more value? Can I bring more value? Can I bring more, like, even if it's like production quality of the posts and, um, you know, trying to be original and, and, um, you know, just sharing what we're doing and sharing the the culture and the community that we built here, I think is really what I'm trying to do. I think that's a great point to make too, is a lot of people, I think, try to, again, going back to what we were saying some, uh, a little bit about our, our courses is there's no right or wrong way to do it. And I think people, sometimes they pigeonhole themselves and, okay, this is how I have to post things, or this is, uh, when I have to do it and how many different times, right. but like, if you're having fun with it, it's like, I almost see social media as like, you are in a conversation with a handful of your friends and you want to bring something up or make a point or show someone. Now you just blow that out of proportions. And now instead of a handful of friends, you've got thousands of friends and it's just right. like, Hey, Hey, I had an idea for something, or I just had a thought here. I'm going to tell everybody that thought. I, I love the way you put that because that's exactly what it's been. It's been, I always joke around with like my students, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a clinical instructor for Hofstra university. And so I get a lot of athletic training and exercise science students over here. And, uh, I always tell them, it's like, it's almost like Instagram's kind of become the new PubMed for a lot of people <laughs> where they'll, they kind of like see something there. And, and I would hope that they fact check. And obviously there are some very reputable, you know, accounts to follow that are giving you that good information. But there are also the one big problem with social media is that you get a lot of, uh, quote unquote, bro science and ho science on there. And so, <laughs> uh, you know, so I think, you know, giving people some quality, um, content is, is a responsibility now, you know what I mean? To kind of, yeah. and, and again, and I, you know, it's funny because, you know, it was really like Shantae's page and, uh, Tim Samansky, you know, Wadok, their page has really inspired me to share more. And, you know, yeah. there is no right or wrong way to do it. And so when I first started doing it, I was by myself and I didn't have somebody to film GoPro. And that's kind nice. of become my call card has been the black gloves and the GoPro and showing kind of first person perspective of treatment. But the truth be told, it wasn't like I planned that. It was just that was the only way I could film content because I'm doing hands on work all day. And, you know, I can't have my patient film me. So, yeah. um, so I just started wearing the GoPro and it's, and, and people love it, man. It's, it's really cool. I guess they just showed them a different perspective. And so, uniqueness uh, to it. I guess so, man, it was really funny. It was inspired by a lot of some big fishermen. Um, so I like, I'll watch a lot of like fishing videos on YouTube and they're all GoPro videos. And I was like, you know what, I could do the same thing for manual therapy. And, and I'm, honestly, I've gotten some great feedback because it's a, it's a great way for people to see what they're trying to do from their own perspective. So yeah. it's been really cool. That is really cool. Yeah. It's a really cool perspective to see manual therapy done that way. Cause I, I mean, yeah. legitimately, unless you're the person doing the therapy or, or you, you don't see it from that perspective. And even the closest you can get is being the patient and it's not even the same perspective. So it's really kind of cool. to see. Oh, it's totally different. That. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. Um, so tell us a little bit more about your place, recovery lab, where are you located? Um, tell us about you. It's a, it's a membership based, uh, model, right? 
Yes. Yeah. So, um, so we're in Syosset, New York, which is right off the LIE. We're about 35 to 45 minutes east of New York City. In New York traffic, that means it's basically an hour and a half. Uh, <laughs> I, say the same, I say the same thing to everybody when they ask me, where in Chicago? It's like, yeah, we're literally like 17 and a half miles east of the city, but give yourself a good solid hour to get here. Um, yeah, so you're exactly right. It's it's a membership model. And, and so what I'm trying to do is you know, break that classic mold a little bit and get away from selling sessions. But I have, I have been selling, you know, session packs. It's definitely an easier way to deliver service, but you know, from a sustainability standpoint, it's, you know, it gets, uh, it gets me out of that whole problem with, with people where they, Oh, I feel good now. So I'm done. You know what I mean? I, I'm going to sure. stop because I don't have a symptom anymore. And that's great and wonderful, but the job's not done. And so again, preaching the process. So I, I have membership models where, I basically give people discounts for the longer period of time that they commit to the process. Okay. Right. So I'm rewarding people for committing the time that it takes to get better, but I build in enough flexibility. Like I'm, you know, I might start somebody with an hour session once a week. And by the time they're three to four months out, they might be seeing you once a month for a half hour, Okay. just as a way to continue that care, to continue that conversation, to have the opportunity to progress them and that's really taken from my experience as an athletic trainer in the colleges where, you know, if I had an athlete getting surgery, I was in their, their room that night starting the process yeah. and I was with them every single day. And so, again, I talk about sports medicine in a bubble. That's kind of what it was. And I wanted to have that here for the athletes that we train here and uh, having access. And that's what it's about. It's about access. It's I'm not sure what to do. So I go to the surgeon and what's the advice that you get? And, and so now we're able to kind of be that. Here's what I think athletic trainers do very, very well. We're great communicators. Mm -hmm. we, we speak your language. We speak doc's language. We speak the PT's language. We speak the Cairo's language. We can speak coach's language. We can speak a parent's language. Yeah. And so we end up becoming that kind of uh, interpreter. So because a lot of people leave the doc's office and they're just confused and they just don't know what that means. And so – they need some coaching and Hey, this is what that means. And this is how we can start this process and maybe avoid that surgical intervention. Don't you're not doomed with this diagnosis. Let's spend the time working on it. And I, and so what I wanted to have was a business model that matches that clinical model. Uh, and that's how we landed on the membership. I love that. And honestly, yeah. a lot of people who know me know I teach, uh, at the chiropractic school and I see all these graduate students that they're, they have these aspirations and I hear about the way they want to practice and it's never quite executed appropriately because we're all kind of stuck in that insurance model. And for anybody out there listening to this right now, you need to go check out Mike because he's got this model down. This is a great aspect. And I think I wouldn't is, say I have it down, but well, well, you, you know, got, again, you it's, it's, it's evolving. Yeah, no, I, I think we're doing a really good job. I'm really proud of, you know, my staff and, you know, my partner and the guys that we work with here and, you know, just understand, you know, again, one of the main things that we sat down and we started, uh, started this was we weren't going to let the business model dictate the clinical model or the training model. Oh, I love that. Um, and, and so, and so that's part of our core values and, and, I, and I'm really proud of the fact that we've been able to stick to that four years in, you know, and it gets hard sometimes because you got bills to pay, man. And now we sure. have employees and, you know, people need to make money and they got families. And so it's, it's a lot of pressure, but at the same time, being able to stick to those values and just continually make the product better and better yeah. and better. And then people, again, it's, you know, people look at our pricing structures and go, man, people will pay that. 
it's a lot of money. And I'm like, listen, but you know, we're not selling memberships or a training program or a treatment. We're selling results. Yeah. And if you could just show people results, they will pay yeah. because it's an investment at that point and not a cost, you know? Yeah. I learned this, this as a, as a personal trainer is if you put value in what you do, people will pay whatever, because it's not about the money. It's about, like you said, Mike, the results. Right. Exactly. And that's why you have to have those things in place to show people that they're getting better. I mean, on the clinical side, it's a little, I would say it's easier in that regard because I can do a manual therapy treatment and somebody, you know, you know, uh, Vinny gets off the table and he feels better. So tangibly I've already given him what he's paying for. Yeah. But when it comes to corrective exercise and strength and conditioning, what you're really selling or what you have to sell is the process because you know, we live in a world now where people want instant gratification right now. They want an instant result because that's every aspect of their life. But, mm. you know, I'll tell parents all the time, it doesn't matter how much money you have in the bank or what school you go to or what your private tutors are. That bar weighs 45 pounds for everybody. <laughs> uh, so it, it is the ultimate equalizer. And so, you know, really, I think strength and conditioning kind of becomes that last thing for a lot again i work with a lot of middle school and high school athletes and so in terms of just developing developing their character uh which is something that we take a lot of pride in it, it's you know they don't get instant gratification you know they, they have to earn it they can't just show up once a week and expect to after three months to be the best player on their team you know if you really dedicate yourself to the process you get in you get out what you put in yeah um, and so we kind of try to take that same mon- mindset with our clinic model, which is you, you get out what you put in. And yeah. I am just a guide. I'm not fixing you. I am helping modulate your symptom. I'm helping you feel and move a little bit better so that we can get you to move more. And then we got to keep that going. And so what I try to do is get people into our fitness programs, yeah. um, you know, and, and take them beyond just, Hey, I'm good enough to get by to do the day-to-day things. I want, I want you to be more than good enough to get by to do those things. So you're really ready for anything, you know? I love that. So many great words of wisdom there. I appreciate that, man. Mike, if anybody wants to get a hold of you, where can they find you on social media? Um, my main, uh, I'm most active on Instagram. Okay. Uh, and that's uh, Mike Stella underscore ATC. That's my Instagram handle. You know, most people, you know, that's the same for my Twitter, which I'm not as active on Twitter. Um, on YouTube, you can find me uh, at Recovery Lab on YouTube. And, you know, I put a lot of my longer form content on there. Uh, you'll probably see a shift in some of the feel of that content coming up soon, but, um, mostly YouTube and Instagram, those are my main two. And then you can check out my website, which I just created kind of to be a central hub, um, because I have a few different things that I'm doing now. So I needed to find one place that people could go to and kind of see all these little things. So you go to MikeStellaMovement.com and you can see more about recovery lab. You can see my teaching tours for rock tape on there. Um, and just some of the other events and things that I'm getting involved in. Awesome. Where will you be uh, teaching next for Rock Tape? I know the, the year's kind of winding down. When are you, what, uh, if anybody wanted to come see you and learn from you, where can they find you this year? So I am next week. I will be in Madison, Wisconsin on a Vine tour. So I'll be up in the, in the Wisconsin area for three days. Uh, and then that's, I think that's the 6th, 7th, and 8th. I believe. Okay. And then I'm going down to Nashville at the end of November, right after Thanksgiving oh, nice. and doing a two day vine tour, which is actually going to be recorded as a live webinar really? and possibly, and I think it's also going to be a DVD product, which is actually pretty cool. I'm, is, is that vine I'm humbled and 
It's a Vine thing, okay. but Rock Tape is obviously involved in it oh, sure. for sure. Nice. Um, it was, I was, I'm just, I'm really honored that, that I was even chosen to be, uh, to represent the company on that. And that's really cool. So, and especially again, I'm a new instructor. So the fact that they thought enough of me to, to throw me into that fire, I'm, I'm just happy for the, for the opportunity. So, well, man, you, uh, got, being, you got the knowledge and you got that pretty face. So <laughs> you, you flattering you guy, <laughs> I got to throw it out there. Right? <laughs> One thing I got to ask you though, before we go kind of, sure. kind of on top of that has, is, is the ball cap your trademark? Because other than the picture that I see on your profile, the website, I don't think I've ever seen you without a cap on. Yeah. It, 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 that's the, kind of the funny thing. Like uh, when I was making like, I guess my personal brand quote unquote, like when I was yeah. making my movement.com, I wanted to come up with a logo. And so the logo is just a goatee and a hat. I love that. Uh, logo, by the way, I love that. Yeah. It, it, so it, it's kind of, you know, I wanted it to be kind of not self-deprecating, but just like, <laughs> this is who I am. I always wear a hat. I mean, you know, I, the obvious reasons for why I wear a hat is because I'm not as well, uh, astute up in the follicle, the follicular regions <laughs> of my head as I once was. So, uh, uh but I, I like to accessorize, man. You know, I, feel, I like to accessorize. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I like to wear the hat and, uh, you know, it keeps my flowing locks out of my patient's hair or, uh, out of their, out of their, uh, faces. No, I'm kidding. Uh, yeah, just, you know, now it's an accessory. So I get to wear what I'm thinking and feeling on my head, which is cool. <laughs> well, so the hat and the go like now I'm like married to the hat and the goatee forever. But then as Shante would say, is you can always change your logo. I can always change my logo. If I decide to lose the goatee or the hat, I can just do that. That's so true. it is, it is what it is for now, but, uh, <laughs> You got to well, have fun. You got to be able to make, you know, have some fun with yourself, you know? You got to let people see that too. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. So if anyone's sure. looking to uh, go see the goatee wearing, ball cap wearing, uh, charismatic <laughs> mic, please check out rocktape.com. Also check out vine.com for some of the vine tours. And one more time, your website is mikemovement.com. It's, it's mikestellamovement.com. And I, and I put links on. So if you go on my website, I put all my teaching tours, whether they're for rock tape directly or for vine. And I include the links to registration. So if you really want to see me, which would be awesome, uh, you can definitely come down. You can click on my website and just register for the prospective course right then and there. Awesome. Nice to have everything all in one place. So check that out if you want to go see Mike. And if you want to talk to Mike, check him out on Instagram. Mike, thank you so much for the time. I really do appreciate it, man. Great oh, man. It was, yeah, it was, it was so great to finally meet you and, and a lot of the other instructors in person this past weekend. I'm, I'm just yeah. really grateful to be part of this community and this family. And, um, it's cool for me too, as like a kind of a way to finish it up. But, um, you know, when I started recovery lab, I kind of became like the smartest guy in the room in terms of like rehab and stuff and sure. which isn't great for my own development. And so it's really, it's an honor and a privilege to be able to count myself amongst this incredible group of instructors because there's just so many bright and, and just intelligently talented people that mm -hmm. I get to call friends and colleagues and, and mentors now. So, uh, I, I love how we're all in the business of making each other better. And, and so I'm all about that. And um, so it, it's been an absolute privilege, man, to, to be on the podcast. I really appreciate it. I love what you're doing with it. And, uh, and uh, keep up the great work, brother. Thank you, sir. Thank you so much for the time. I really do appreciate that. I guess I will talk to you down the line then. Yes, sir. You'll see, I'll see you in uh, Cancun, my friend. Oh, I will see you in Cancun then. All right, <laughs> all right take care, buddy.